Good morning. Well, you know, we are talking about relationship tune-ups. And the first week, we laid a foundation, basically, on the topic, God loves you with an everlasting love. And that's very important in a foundation of relationships because if you don't understand that God loves you, even though you were, I was, yet a sinner, then you won't understand how to operate in a relationship. God gave his only begotten son for us. He gave his best. He didn't give it when we were goody-goody two-shoes. He gave his only begotten son when we were yet sinners, separated from God. He gave his son. We have to realize that when we get into these tight places in relationships, rough places in relationships, when you're not pleased, your mate, your wife, husband is not pleasing you, you're going to have to realize that if we are going to exemplify the love of God, we have to love in spite of the other person. Matter of fact, God commands us to love even our enemies. So that was the first message. Then the second one, we said our response to God's everlasting love was in that we should love others as he has loved us. And we said that, that, that presents a problem because we are a wounded bride. We all have probably had some things done to us in the past or been exposed to an environment that wounded us, that made us not whole, that made us, uh, might have been difficult to uh, respond to those who are in authority, uh, wives. Sometimes we have been under, in our parental situation, maybe harsh authority, so when you get married, you're not able to respond properly to your authority figure, which is your husband. It could be that uh, you were not loved. You were only accepted if you did the right things, if you jumped through a lot of hoops, if you pleased your parents, and maybe you, were only, you only felt loved then. Now, how are you going to love your wife? If you weren't loved, don't know how to love. So we talked about that as a second message. Today, the third message, what we want to do, is to put another building block to that. We want to talk about God's requirements for husbands. Now, I know the wives are excited about that. (laughs) But see, next week, (laughs) we're going to talk about God's requirement for wives. They go together. But I want to first of all let you know that it's not easy to talk about a topic that you haven't perfected. It's not easy talking about a topic that you're not walking in to the fullness of what God would have you to walk in. It's not easy to talk about a topic that you fall short in at times. But I'm very thankful that the word of God is true regardless of where we are on this spectrum of sanctification. His word is true. That's why we teach the word. Because I don't teach me, I don't teach uh, anything as far as uh, try to follow what I say, no, follow what the Word of God says. Then we stay 
pretty straight. But I still wanted you to know. Because men sometimes, when you, and and women also, particular also, sometimes you think that the pastors, they they have the marriage that's sitting on the pinnacle. And um, they have perfected this thing. Well, I don't know any yet. And I know a lot of pastors. But what we do do is that we endeavor to be what God has called us to be. We are pressing towards the mob for the prize of the high calling. We're doing it. Let's start by, first of all, going to Genesis. I think the, the origin, the beginnings, is the best place to start. The very first requirement that God has I'm going to give you five. Let me give you five now so you'll already have it down. And then we'll repeat them. The first requirement is that you work. God requires a man to work. Number two, he requires a man to be the spiritual leader. And I'll tell you what that means later. He requires the husband to teach the next generation the fear and obedience of the Lord. Number four, he requires husbands to create a health-giving environment for his wife to be all that God has called her to be. And the last one is that he requires the husband to live with his wife or dwell with his wife, as the King James may say, according to understanding or knowledge of virgin will say. Those are the five. Now we will repeat them. And we'll go over it. Let's get the first one. He requires the man to work. If you don't have a piece of paper, and by the way, I put the message on the, on the, on the table out there, um, about five copies of it, um, but it's on, online also. But you can write on your shirt, man, if you want to. <laughs> your wife's going to write it down, believe me. <laughs> first one is required to work. He requires... He requires the husband to work. Now, it might seem uh, that why talk about work? I mean, that's obvious. Well, this day and time, it's not obvious. Really, I'm serious. It's not obvious. But God says it is. Let's look in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 4. So this is a count of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. So now, since there was no man to cultivate the ground, then... God couldn't cause things to grow because there's nobody to tilt or work the land. So then, verse 7, he formed the man. Then he planted a garden. Then in verse 15 it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it. That means to till it. That means to work it. And to keep it. That means to care for it. That's what he did. This is before the woman. This is the man. Now, that tells me that God required the man to do something. 
He could have, God could have, because God is sovereign, He can do anything He wants to do. He could have made it so that uh, nothing needed to be tilted, nothing needed to be worked. That man all had to do is just sit in his hammock and just uh, eat coconuts, you know, oranges, and just enjoy himself. But he didn't do that. Why? Because he expects the man to be responsible for what he has or God has created. Responsible working to do something. Now, you single women, uh, the message is also for you uh, because when you look for a husband, look for one that's going to work. Um, I'm just telling you now. Now, we understand that if uh, a person, there, there are, of course, circumstances that a person can't work because they might uh, be like uh, a physical handicap. They might be a quadriplegic, like my sister was. Uh, she couldn't work anymore. Uh, so it could be a situation like that. But usually, if you have the proper attitude, there are things to do. I was listening to, listening to a testimony of a man didn't have any arms, any legs, but he was an evangelist going all over countries that other people couldn't go into, telling his testimony how he loved God. People have different situations, and you may think that you may have a bad situation. There are always people who are worse. Women, find out whether that man is a man that will work, that will, uh, let's say, be industrious. Because sometimes, these days in time, people might lose a job temporarily. Well, fine. If that man has work ethics, if he has uh, you know, some, some initiative about him, he'll find another one. There's work out here. But see, some people... They don't have that, and they'll say, well, I can't find a job. When the last time you looked? Yeah. Well, I checked last week, there was nothing posted. <laughs> there are many situations <laughs> that come up, I'm serious. Some, some of these young people expect women to take care of them. I'm serious. It's not from the old school now. Uh, you know, we, we didn't learn that. You know, but from the young school, I'm, I'm serious, you know. They, I'll stay home. I'll keep the kids. You go work. You know? Come on. Now, let's read the Bible. You know? The woman had not been created yet. He says, get up, cultivate this garden I'm planting. Then I'll give you a helper. So that's the first one. First one is to work. I don't believe I have to say more, more about that. Um, you uh, singles, make sure you check with uh, me, check with one of the elders, check with one say, say, hey, check this fellow out. We'll, we'll put him around the prayer team. We'll put him around different ones, you know. We'll find out. Get a prophetic word over him. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out about him. Okay. Important. Once you have said, I will, too late. It's too late. Okay? Don't come crying the blues. It's just too late. (laughs) Number two. He expects the man to be the spiritual leader. I said spiritual leader. I didn't say physical leader. I said spiritual leader. That's important. In verse 23... The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's time to, once you get married, men, it's time to leave your father and mother's house. It's time for you to not be covered by them, but be a covering for your wife. Very important. 
That's what a spiritual leader, the first thing a spiritual leader does is a covering. A covering. When I gave uh, one of my daughters away, um, ran into Sean, and I wanted to know, are you going to take care of her? Are you going to be the person who's going to be spiritually uh, responsible? Are you going to come for help when you need help? Are you going to be uh, humble enough to receive help? What are you going to do? Are you going to take care of her? Because once I say, my wife and I do, who gives this woman to be married to this man? My wife and I do. It's over. I gave up my responsibility. I'm no longer the covering. Sean is the covering for Brandon. So, men, it's very important as a spiritual leader to realize you're that covering spiritually. And there are responsibilities to go with that. The second thing uh, in that spiritual uh, leadership is that you need to be a spiritual protector. They could be one and the same one. They overlap. Uh, but one is you are responsible for that lady. You are responsible. Her father's not responsible. You are responsible. Simple, plain. Chapter 3. We know about the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Why didn't you talk to the man? Serpent. Who was, of course, Satan. Why not? Why go to the woman? The woman is not the head. Why not go to the man, the head? Because he knows that order is going to the head. He's not going to come in order. He's coming in disorder. He's coming uh, to divide. He's coming uh, to, uh, to the weakest point. He'll come to the children. He'll come to the woman before he gets to the man. He'll do that. That's why he's been trying so hard from the beginning to get the man out of the house telling you. You look around today in society, where are the men? You have a lot of single parents. A lot of people birthing children but not being a father. Just birth somebody and that's it. Come on. Satan's trying to get them out of the house because he knows he get them out of the house. Oh, he's going to have some, you know, play in that house unless that woman uh, learns how to do some things, and we'll talk about that next week. Men, you have to learn how to protect this woman because Satan is going to come for your wife. And he's going to come to try to deceive her. He's going to come to try to cause confusion. He's going to come to... Have God said, he's still doing that. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now, now we know that there's a serpent always, Satan is always going to lie, don't we? He's always going to lie. In verse 4 it says, the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die, because she said that, she said what her husband told her. Her husband told her what God said. You can't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat of that. And so she said, well, you know, Satan, that's what he told me. You can't eat of this thing. You can't even touch it. And he said, oh, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. God knows that the day you eat it, your eyes going to be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh. I wonder why is God trying to withhold from me to be like him? That's what she's thinking. He's trying to hold something back from me. I thought he loved me. He doesn't want me to be like him. See, this, this is... That's why the first message was God loves you with an everlasting love. You have to know that God loves you. You have to know that God's not going to withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. You got to know that. 
Because otherwise you'll think, well, God's, God's trying to hold something back. He's, he, he's, and you start getting mad at God because things are not going the way you want it to go in your life. You can't do that, man. You can't do that. And you are responsible for your wife. Where is Adam? Where is the man during this time? The man's supposed to be the spiritual protector. That's part of being a spiritual leader, being a spiritual protector. Now, let's say that he's out cultivating the garden. And she's walking around, you know, picking fruit for, the, for supper and things like that. And let's say that, well, we, obviously we know this thing didn't happen in one day. We know that, don't we? Uh, most, people, most people don't fall for something in one day. It's a process. You've got to get to the woman's emotion. You've got to kind of, you know, get used to it because, you know, she's not going to just fall for anything. So, men, let me tell you something. Make sure that you... In the evenings, when you come home from work, make sure that you talk to your wives. Don't just get the newspaper. Don't get on a video and play games, you know, on your computer. Don't do things that's going. And then your woman, she doesn't, she not, she doesn't have anybody to talk to. She can't talk to the kids. No kids are available right now. But let's say there are kids. What kind of talk you gonna have with the kids? Kids talk. Kids talk. So she needs somebody to talk to. You're supposed to find out from your wife, sweetheart, what's been going on. What you've been doing. Oh, what you've been reading in the, in, the, in the scripture. What's God been saying? What's God been doing? These are discipleship questions that you're asking your wife. You're her disciple. Because don't we, don't we know that uh, Satan... He camouflages himself as an angel of light sometimes. So therefore, do you think he can't come through the word? Sure you know he can come through the word. He came through the word with Jesus. But it's always going to be half truth. (laughs) Not the truth. The whole truth. So you have to find out, is she misinterpreting scripture? What's going on? I'm telling you things that I've learned through the years that I didn't do. And it cost me, and I told, I'm telling you, men, be the spiritual leader of that house. You say, well, I, I, I don't know the word. My wife knows more word than I know. Uh, she's more spiritual than I, I am. Well, that might be for a while. But it doesn't have to be for a long while. You can read. If you can't, get it on tape. They call them CDs now, I guess, you know. And if you're visual, get it on a DVD. You know? They have the dramatized Bible. I mean, you know. You know I have it. Matthew cassette tapes. No, it's good. I have it on, um, what you call them? Uh, v- VHS. There you go, VHS. I got those things, boy. Yeah. Yeah. There is no excuse for us men. Us. Us. No excuse for you saying that you don't know the word. You can't teach her. And women want to know. But they just want to know from somebody who knows. Right? If you don't know nothing, they don't want to hear you. Yeah. So learn something. Minerva knew more than I knew. That's a fact. Because she was saved first. Plus she was more spiritual. Plus I wasn't interested. Really. Just in winning games. That's it. But soon I found out that if I don't carry my responsibility out, my family is going to be, you know, just um, ransacked by Satan. And so I had a responsibility. So I got on the ball. And let me tell you, man, God will catch you up. 
He will catch you up if you are willing to get caught up. But you have to be willing. You got to let something go. I call it planned neglect. That means you have to plan to neglect something. Everybody's day is full. Everybody's day is full of something. So you're going to have to take something out of that day and neglect it. It might be a good thing. Just neglect it. And put this in. This word. God will catch you up. He'll catch you up. Got to be the spiritual leader. Got to be. You're responsible, man, for obedience in your household. You are responsible for obedience in your household. It's not the woman who's responsible for obedience. She is indirectly. And yes, she's going to be standing before God uh, for whether she was obedient or not. But you are responsible for that household. I'm telling you, you're responsible. Let's look at it over here. What did he say to the serpent when he... Uh, everybody was pointing fingers at everybody. Oh, the man said in verse 12, the woman is the woman who you gave me. And then uh, God said, well, well, woman, what's this you did? Well, it's the serpent who deceived me. So he said to the serpent in verse 14, because you have done this. Now to the woman, he said, in verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply. I was wondering, I said, well, why didn't you say, because you have done this? God, you didn't. I mean, this is interesting. In, when he got to Adam, in verse 17, he said, Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the fruit. Hey, she ate, too, didn't she? He didn't say all that stuff to her. He's responsible for obedience. In verse 9 of chapter 3 said, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He didn't call to the woman and ask her where she was. Men, you are responsible for the obedience in your household. Number one, you got to work. Number two, you got to be the spiritual leader. Number three, you're responsible Four, now I said in, in that spiritual leader, you got three things. You, you're responsible for obedience, you're responsible for covering, you're responsible for uh, the protection. Okay? Now, number three of your responsibility, the five, is that you are responsible for teaching another generation. Your next generation. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 20, now chapter 18. And let's look at verse 17 and 18. And it says here, shall I have from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Verse 19. Listen to this now. For I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. The, the, the God chose us as men because... You know, he put that responsibility on us, let's put it that way, because everyone has a responsibility. Our role is that we are supposed to command our children and our household after us. That's our role. It's not the woman's role. It's our role. He didn't say, I have chosen her, Sarah, in order she may command her children and household after her. But see, men, that's what we do. We put it on the, on the wives. We say, it's your responsibility to teach the children. Scripture says, husbands, it's yours to teach the children. Now, obviously, we know there's delegation of authority, don't we? You can't go to work and also teach also all the time. But you are responsible. You're responsible for making sure what is being taught, how it's being taught, whether the kids are learning. Not the, not the wife. 
not the wife. It's the husband who's responsible. And when you come home, you are the principal of that school if they are homeschooled. You are the principal of that school if the principal, if they're in the public school, private school, you're still the, you're the head of your household. You can't delegate that to Lynchburg public school system, Amherst public school system, Nelson County public school system, Brookville County, you know, what is it? Campbell County public schools. You can't delegate that to them. You are responsible. When that child comes home, you got to find out, hey, what, what do they talk about? What do they talk about? Because, believe me, they are, if they are in the public school system, they're talking about things that's not of the word of God. Guarantee you. Even if they're going to Christian school, they're they are picking up stuff from other kids that's still not godly. Guarantee you. If they're homeschooled, you still better find out what they're picking up on TV or whatever they're doing. You got to find out. Those who are homeschooled, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about. It's hard for that woman to be the disciplinarian, the principal, the teacher, and everything. I know in the school system, if the kid didn't behave, you know, you send them out of the classroom. Go to, uh, go, go to the office. Go to the system principal. He's a disciplinarian. See, in homeschool, you can't do that because the man at work. See? But all you had to do is just, just tell her. Tell her. She, she, she's taller you probably. You just tell her, hey, wait till your father get home. You know? You see? And then when Sam get home, he's supposed to have time enough to say, hey, let's sit down and see what you uh, have learned today. You know? If she didn't learn anything, then you're going to well, get your books. We're going through it again. Oh, Dad, I just want No, you ain't doing anything. You just played around. Your mother told me that you didn't even listen to her. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, you know. Come on. Right? Men, you're responsible for this next generation. In, in, in Israel, every time that they didn't teach the next, next generation, the next generation went away from the Lord. Every time. Every time. Seriously. After Joshua and the elders with him died out, my goodness gracious, they they went their way. They went their way. Had to raise up a judge. When the judge died, they went back. I'm, I'm telling you. It's very important. The next generation. You know I'm telling the truth. Because Satan is after the next generation. He wants them. And he's trying his best. He's maneuvering in his world system. He's after the next generation. Yeah, he is. He's trying to influence them. He's trying to cause problems in their life. Just like he's caused problems in our lives. That we can't overcome without the grace of God, the mercy of God. And the prayers of the saints. A lot of hard work, dying to self, he wants to cause problems. Work, that's a responsibility God gives you. Be the spiritual leader. Teach the next generation. Number four, he expects us to create an environment that is a health-giving environment. A health-giving environment. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's no doubt how we're supposed to love our wives. Is that true, men? Is that true, singles, once you get married? Is that true? You know what type of husband you're supposed to be. You can start getting practice now, you singles. Start loving as Jesus loves you. By loving your sisters, your brothers, your employers, your employees, your co-workers, those people you don't even like. 
that misuse you. Try to, because that's how Jesus loved just the same way, didn't he? Practice. Practice. If you don't practice, then you're going to come into marriage, singles, not knowing how to love your wife. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good doing the courtship and doing the uh, engagement and doing the uh, honeymoon. But as soon as it's over, <laughs> you're going to learn that everything is not going to be hunky-dory and that you're not going to get your way in everything like you used to. And then you're going to not know how to love because you haven't practiced it. So that he may sanctify her in verse 26, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. All we as husbands washing our wives with the water of the word of God. Are we doing it? Because the word cleans, doesn't it? Are we making sure our wives have an intimacy with Jesus Christ? Is she in this word of God? Do you come home and check men that, uh, sweetheart, you know, let's talk about what you've been reading. Let's, let's talk about your devotional time. What, what did you do during your devotional time? What did God say today to you? Well, I didn't have a devotional time. I was, I was too busy with the kids. Well, let me tell you. You have to have a devotion time every day, sweetheart. Uh, this is very important. So when I come home, it's your devotional time. Therefore, the kids are mine during this time. You go and you have a devotional time. You know? I'll take care of things. You know? I'll take care of things. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot doing counseling, but I've never heard, heard that. <laughs> But that's, that's what we should do, shouldn't we, shouldn't we, men? Don't you think the women get tired they have a little bit of kids running around all day? By the time they take a nap, you know, you're so tired, you've got, you got to try to pick up behind them, you know, you've got to try to do all this stuff, watch this, you've got to try to catch up there and get some dinner, start and all like that stuff, because when the husband comes home, he wants to see the house kind of clean, he wants to have some dinner. Uh, so she doesn't have time to do anything much. When is she going to get some time? Well, she can get it at night when the kids go to bed. She's tired. Come on. She's tired. She's been going there since morning. Soon as she wakes up, the kid wake up. Right? We were talking about, we talk about children disciplining them in another session. That he may present to himself the church in all her glory. Men... Your glory is your wife. Your glory is your wife. I'm telling you. You, you, I'm serious. I'm serious. 1 Corinthians 11, 7. Okay? Your glory is your wife. The wife is the glory of the man. This is talking about, that's a verse talking about head covering. It's talking about, you know, uh, man and have his head covered because of da 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 da, you know. Is he the glory or not? You know, I'm telling you, the wife is the glory of the man. So that means that she is a reflection. That's what that means, a reflection of that husband. So what you see right here in, in my wife, Minerva, you'll see a reflection of me. How she is spiritually, how is she is emotionally, how she is mentally, she's a reflection of me. What kind of environment, health-given environment, that I have? And I have messed up through the years, I'm telling you. Because I didn't have an environment. I didn't know nothing about an environment. Environment? What about an environment? As long as it's warm in this house, I'm all right. You know? Men, I'm serious. 
You had to make sure this woman that you have married, she is presented back to Jesus Christ without spot, without wrinkle, any such thing. You're responsible for the things that she encountered during her childhood that she has to try to overcome now. You're responsible for leading her into health. You're responsible for that. In Colossians 3.19, it says that husband, love your wives and do not be embittered towards them. Don't be harsh. Don't be resentful. Be kind and considerate. That's the type of atmosphere we're supposed to have. Tender. See, we, we can be resentful, man. We can be resentful. We can re- be resentful because... You know, she doesn't have dinner ready. The house is not, you know, straightened up. If it were my our marriage, you know, session, I'll tell you some other things. But I can't tell you now. You can get upset about a lot of things. It's not going your way. But my Bible says here, love them. And if we put them together... As Christ loved the church. When did we start pleasing Jesus all the time? Huh? Talk to me. When? We don't please Jesus all the time. He still loves us, doesn't he? With everlasting love. We don't stroke him all the time. Come on. Sometimes I'll praise our mind somewhere else and we're praising you know, we, we, and we thought, man, I've been through six songs here on this CD, and I don't even remember. Because you're not even thinking about it. Your mind's somewhere else. You got to work, man. You got to be the spiritual leader. You have to make sure you create uh, the environment, the teaching environment for the, for the next generation. Teach them. And you had to provide an environment, a health-giving environment for your wives. And the last one, is that you got to dwell with your wives according to knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. You have to know your woman. Do you hear what I'm saying? She's not like any other woman. It'll help help you if you get some, some books on women also, because some, some things are generic. Aren't they? Right. We won't talk about that. This is a, a, a F a session. Family. It's not PG-13. It's not R. I was going to have a session that we sent the teenagers out. And we were going to have a, a good session. But I decided against it. Well, we still probably have it when I, when I talk on this, this three-letter word. Uh, uh, we, we'll probably do that. We'll send you, Ashley will send you and you talk to the teenagers on food or something, you know. You know? We'll talk to the adults on this three-letter word. Probably the church will be filled up, you know. In First Peter chapter 3, verse... Seven. It says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. We act like sometimes we don't understand our wives. You say, well, her ways are past finding out. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's God. <laughs> that's God. She changes. Well, if you live with her long enough, you'll find out how she is. Okay? What pleases her? What doesn't? She is not you. And stop trying to, to uh, do things that please you, thinking you're pleasing her. It doesn't. I'm telling you, it doesn't. Trust me. I've been there. So it's not that they don't, they don't appreciate things. It's just that they're not very uh, 
filled, their tank is not filled because of that. Yeah. So, um, and don't get an attitude, man, either. Because they don't say, oh, that was so good. Thank you, sweetheart. I really appreciate that. Because it might not fill their tank. Plus, they might not be in a good mood that day. Really. And you did the same thing last week, and it it brought accolades. (laughs) You do it this week, and and she's mad at you, you know. You got to dwell with your wives according to understanding, knowledge. Know her. Know her. It's your wife. Know her. Practical knowledge. Mental understanding. Ask her. What fills your tank, sweetheart? Uh, uh, my love language is acts of service. So I said, Minerva, um, I'm showing that I love you by washing dishes. And she said, well, that's fine, you know, and I really appreciate it. But that's not what pleases me. So then I can get an attitude and say, well, okay, I won't wash dishes then. And I did that for a while. I'm honest, not wash dishes. I'll fix you. All right. Now, I didn't tell her that. She doesn't know that. I didn't tell her that. Then we were talking last, I think it was last week. Because, you know, we had a session that I say, you know, talk to you. Uh, your wife's find out those little things that, that uh, you're having problems in, you know, the stuff and stuff like that. And so uh, I have to do that because I asked you to do it, right? I have to do it. I said, sweetheart, tell me how marriage is coming. And she said, well, you used to wash dishes and things like that. And now the things sit there and sit there and sit there. Um, You used to do nice things for me. You don't do those anymore. Then I I felt an attitude coming. (laughs) I said, okay, all right. Get back flesh. I can't, can't go there, you know. Um, and I said, well, what? Uh, you know? She loves little notes because her love language is the gifts. It's her love language. And she likes notes. I put a little note on the mirror. So, sweetheart, you are these, the toughest, you know, uh, woman. Well, you, you send many women to shame. At your age, my goodness gracious, a lot of these 30, 40-year-old women can't touch you, girl. You are beautiful, you know. And um, you know, that, 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 that's a gift to her. It's a gift. See, I'm not talking about going out buying something. That works, though. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't have the money all the time. And she said, well, you used to give me flowers. Well, you know, Sometimes, you know, you, you, your nose starts swelling, you know, because you, you, get, you feel yourself, you feel the heat coming, you know. You say, wait a minute. You said you were tired of flowers because they used to give her flowers all the time. And um, so am I doing anything right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're doing some things right. Gosh, you know, this is embarrassing, you know. <laughs> But if I do the dishes and things, men, find out what your love language of your wife is and find out what yours is because nine times out of ten, you're going to minister your love language to her. And it's not going to minister to her. And she's not going to feel love. And therefore, you know, I feel sorry for the men who who, uh, are acts of service as a woman's uh, love language. (laughs) Because, see, with me, uh, uh, Minerva knows that's my love language. So you can say, oh, that was so good. That was a good message. If you don't do anything about it, then don't tell me it's good. I'm not interested in words of affirmation if nothing goes with it. If you don't do anything, then you don't love me. You're not listening. Okay? So women... 
whose uh, love language is acts of service, you got, you got to put a cap on this thing. You know, because you're going to run this man crazy, you know, because it's always something to do. And if you've got a house, if you've got a car, if you've got, you know, man, come on. You know, this to-do list is so long, he can never, you know, uh, uh, measure up so he can get a, uh, and his might be words of affirmation. And what, what's going to happen then? When you don't do something that you're supposed to do, you did three of them, but it was a list of five. You see? Now, you don't get the words of affirmation. You say, well, I did three. Well, you didn't do the other two. See, hers is not words of affirmation. I'm trying to tell you, people, that we have to learn our wives what ministers to them because you have to dwell with them in an understanding way. Okay? Number one was, okay, work. Number two, spiritual leader. Number three, teach the next generation. Four, health-given environment. And the last one, five, live with them in an understanding way. That's the message to the men. And we have a lot to do, men. And women, we want you to pray for us. Really, pray for us. Because we need prayer. We're not what we should be. But we endeavor to get there. Once you hear a message, singles, married men, you're responsible for carrying it out. Okay? You don't have to be, you know, uh, Lancelot, Sir Galahad. You don't have to be, you know, King Arthur. But you have to start on a way you know, night on a, on a, on a shining night on a, on a white horse. All you had to do is just start getting better. Take those and start getting better. Okay? And your wife will appreciate it. Wives, would you give your husband space to get better? Don't go home and say, uh, see this list? I'm putting it on the refrigerator. These are five things that you're supposed to be doing. You know? Don't do that because it doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't work. And if you give grace, there's a verse in the, in the scripture in James, I think it's 2, 12, 13, it says that, um, that speak and so act that those should be, it's going to be judged by the law of liberty. We're all going to be judged by the law of liberty. So show grace to your husbands. Give them grace. Okay? Give them a little grace and let them grow in this thing. That's why we meet together with men and try to help men and we meet together with women trying to help the women because we want each of them to give them grace to move from where they are to more where they should be. Let's stand.